Hey, what's going on, day travelers? I'm Jason, and I'm here interviewing park rangers and outdoor enthusiasts just like you, getting their story and tips so you can be ready for your next adventure. I'm here at Dead Valley National Park, and joining us today is Abby Wine. She is the management assistant over here, and we're gonna deep dive a little bit about this area. Well, I think how long someone should stay here really depends on um, what they're interested in doing once they get here. So if all they're interested in doing is driving the main roads and doing short little hikes to viewpoints, then a long weekend is sufficient for that. So two or three days. Okay. One day is pretty tough. You have to make some hard choices. If you only are here for one day, then you should go to Badwater because that's the lowest place in the United States. You see the, the salt patterns out there on the flats and the dark mountains on either side. The sand dunes are really pretty and if they can work in enough time, Dante's view where you are up at 5,000 feet elevation and can look down on the park and get a good panoramic view. So those are the three places I'd say if someone only has one day to focus on. But uh, two or three days can really get a good sense of most of the park. Uh, but if you like hiking, a week is good. Yeah, really? A oh, week? Oh man, all right. What are some of the of rules that you that everyone should follow, obviously, because in different parks have different things, but obviously most parks have the most common things. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Well, on the basic level, most of the rules here are to protect the park, so don't hurt it in any way. But that isn't always as intuitive as it sounds. So some basic things are vehicles need to stay on roads or right next to the shoulder. You can't just drive off into the into the desert and that's because the tracks from that can stay much longer than people expect if we don't do restoration work those tracks can be visible for 10 plus years afterwards and that's not what every other visitor after you comes to see is like oh somebody drove their jeep over there that's not what they want to see they want to see an untouched landscape right uh, take all of your trash with you, so either put it in a dumpster in the park or take it out of the park, but even things like orange peels shouldn't be left on the ground that doesn't decompose very quickly in the dry air here in the desert, and it also disrupts the ecosystem for the wildlife. Speaking of wildlife, please don't feed them. And the coyotes are tricky. They will come, you'll see a coyote come up to the road and cross slowly in front of you. And you'll think, oh, the poor animal, it's hurt. It's, and it looks so scrawny, it's fur might look mangy, it might even be limping. And don't feed them, it's illegal. But regardless of whether you do or don't, after you drive away, that coyote's gonna slick back its fur and its limp will be gone. It, they are fakers, they are con artists. Oh my so uh, don't feed the, the wildlife, we do have coyotes hit by cars probably about one every other year oh. and it's because they're getting used to getting food from cars so it's, it's a bad habit for them to be in and that's just one example of of an animal you shouldn't feed shouldn't feed anything in the park um, speaking about wildlife um what are some of like the main wildlife here that is just you know for death valley you would say well, we'd say first of all to temper your expectations is that Death Valley isn't a place to come because you're going to see a moose. <laughs> they won't exist here. And this is the desert. There isn't much water. There isn't much, there aren't very many plants. So mm -hmm. count yourself lucky with anything you see and start thinking about what that animal's life is like. Where does it find water? How does it survive at all? 
So some things you might see would be coyotes. Those are really common to see. The most common bird you'll see are ravens. So uh, both of those animals are extremely adaptive. So they can, they're very smart and they can get along in a lot of different habitats. Then the more desert specific animals, uh, there are snakes, but I don't see them a lot. Still, for your own safety, don't put your hand in a hole where you can't see the mm -hmm. other side of it. Uh, the only poisonous snakes we have are rattlesnakes, and they're at least considerate enough that they're going to warn you, uh, rattle their tail, not just strike. So uh, they're pretty considerate, uh, respectful animals. So you might see some snakes. More likely, you'll see lizards, uh, small rodents. There's a mouse called a kangaroo rat. I don't know why it's called a rat, but it, it looks like a, a little mouse that hops like a kangaroo with okay. two big back feet and two little feet in front. And you'll see them hopping around the room, maybe this big. And that mouse doesn't ever need to drink water its entire life. What? So it fabricates all the water it needs from the dry seeds that it eats. It just it has the biochemical ability to draw the water out, and then its urine are, is crystals. What? what? Talk about what? kidney stones. Wow, that is wow, that's amazing. So, so you're not going to see a lot, yeah. But the animals you will see are pretty impressive. Very unique. Very mm -hmm. unique. Okay. Wow. So wow, uh, wow, flower. I think that's. You guys have different array of wildfire depending on the season, and I feel because I I used to photograph you know Milky Ways and landscape a lot, mm -hmm. and one of the main things that photographers that come to the, the outdoors they like to photograph that kind of stuff here, and I feel like you guys have because you're in the desert and you guys are such a big park, there's different type of flowers everywhere, right? Yes. Uh, so uh, we talked about the difference in elevation, that the park range is over 11,000 feet in elevation. So there's a lot of different habitats in there for different wildflowers. And what most people are most excited about, though, are the blooms at low elevation. Oh, really? Because when you're down at, let's say, 500 feet and below, most of the year there is almost no plants there at all. You just see rocks. It's too much of a desert for cactus at that elevation. So really? that's one way to think about it. And so when we have a super bloom or a really good wildflower bloom, which happens on average once every 10 years, then these seeds that have been just sitting there in the soil for years have the right conditions, enough water with the right months that, is, that it fell. And then we have carpets of flowers, mostly yellow. The most okay. common one is called desert gold. It's a yellow daisy type of flower, but that's interspersed with some white and some purples as well. And that's really spectacular low elevations because you go from just rock to flowers yeah. and there's no, no in between there. Um, and that bloom will be usually from mid-February through mid-April is when the bloom is at its peak at low elevation. So right now we're in mid-April. We're pretty much at the tail end of it. It was a little late this year, okay. but it's going to be too hot for the flowers to survive soon. Okay. And then over the next few months, all the way through late June, the, there will be flowers a little bit higher and a little bit higher up in the mountains. And the ones at higher elevation are pretty, but they don't form those complete carpets of color like the lowest elevation does. Okay. Wow. Oh, wow. Well, I, I, I guess I came like almost at the right time because it's still there a little bit, so I can maybe check them out mm -hmm. and see when I'm, while I'm here in the next couple of days. So changing also in the, the realm of photography, because I have a lot of photographer friends and they keep telling me to come to Death Valley, especially for the Milky Way. Yes. 
the Milky Way is beautiful here, and in Texas we don't, we have to drive far away from the city. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. So a lot of people have never seen the Milky Way. I mean, most Americans live near cities, and they don't even know what the Milky Way is. Oh, is that the stars? What does that mean? What's that white cloud up there? Exactly. That oh, that's the Milky Way. And when people first see that and realize what they're seeing, it's usually this amazing aha moment. So Death Valley National Park is an international dark sky park that so we're recognized for the amazing night skies that we have. There's a tiny bit of glow from Las Vegas, but it's really pretty minimal yeah. on that really amazing night skies. Now, some of the things that because most people live in cities are not quite as intuitive to most of us as they might have been to our ancestors is that whether or not you can see stars depends not just on where you go. Like, do you leave the city of Austin and you come to Death Valley National Park? <laughs> but it also depends on what time of the month you're coming. Mm -hmm. Basically what is the moon doing? Because the moon is this giant white <laughs> light <laughs> yeah. up in the sky. And so if the moon is near full, you won't see the Milky Way at all. Even if it's past half full, you're not yeah. going to see the Milky Way. So yeah. uh, if, you're, if part of your reason for coming is to see the amazing stars, then you want to time that for a look on the web. There are a lot of different websites that tell you what time the moon is rising and what phase of the moon it's yeah. in. You want a new moon, it's, which is basically no moon. Yeah, <laughs> That's going to be the best. Pretty much, yeah, exactly what she said. The new moon phase is, I think it's like a week long of no mm -hmm. moon, and then it starts like two, two, two and a half weeks. It's mm -hmm. all full moon, and then mm -hmm. it recycles again. And the full moon is also a really great time to come and spend time out not outside. Okay. So bad water because it's this white salt flat surrounded by dark mountains. Going out there for a hike on a full moon night, a stroll, I should say, on a full moon night is pretty magical. The sand dunes as well are really nice on a full moon. So either of those extremes, yeah. no moon or lots of moon, it's really beautiful. <laughs> Don't go in between. <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful during the day. <laughs> it's true. That's what, uh, that's what I love about hearing um, from park rangers, because in like, some parks, you know, at nighttime you want to stay in. Mm -hmm. It sounds like here at nighttime it's great to you know just to stay up and just exactly. stargaze yes. or moon to look at the, the mm -hmm. full moon. Any pro other programs that you guys do to, to preserve what this park is. Yeah, do you mean things that we're asking the public to do or do you mean things that we're doing? And both sides, if you don't mind speaking about it. Okay. <laughs> we got a little extra time. Yes, we do. <laughs> Sorry. So some of the issues that we have that we're dealing with, uh, we have problems with burrows, which are feral donkeys, and they were released by people that were mining in the area of Death Valley and farther across the West um, 100 years ago or so. And they've just multiplied and gone wild. And because Death Valley doesn't have any animals naturally that are as big as burrows, it's a huge change to the environment. They will chase the bighorn sheep away from springs. And they also, when, the way they eat the vegetation just completely devastates the springs. And so they don't, they're, natural state would be for there to be no burrows in the park. And we're working with a wonderful nonprofit organization called Peaceful Valley Donkey Rescue. I love that name. <laughs> you just can't go wrong with that name. And oh, there, there's their website. Okay. <laughs> just Donkey coincidentally right behind you. <laughs> I didn't mean to, for that to be on the video. But it's perfect. <laughs> there we go. Product placement. <laughs> anyway, um, Peaceful Valley Donkey Rescue is all nonprofit. They're completely funded by donations. And what they're coming is they're doing is they're coming in 
trapping the donkeys. So they do it in a very low impact way. So they would go to a spring and they lay some alfalfa hay around the spring, make it look really attractive. And the burrows come down and they get used to it. And then they start building a fence around it. And eventually the fence has a one-way gate. So the burrows go in and they're trapped. And then they take them down to a corral. They test them for diseases. Uh, once they pass the disease test, then they take them to private ranches and get them used to being handled by people. They need to get to them, them to the point where all of their feet can be picked up okay. so that they can test them for stones and other things that get in their feet. And then they find adoptive homes for them. And so this is a really great partnership because it means that the environment in Death Valley is getting healed by oh. removing these large invasive animals that don't belong here. But yet those animals are living in good home, are going to good homes. And the lifespan of a burrow in the wild versus a lifespan of a burrow in captivity with a good home is it can live twice as long in, okay. uh, with good veterinary care as it can just out here in the desert. So that's one example. We also have problems with people driving off-road, which is illegal in mm -hmm. the park, and they leave tracks that are very hard to restore. So we're working with some volunteers and some other organizations to erase those. It's a lot of work, though, yeah. because often it involves water. We oh, need to okay. bring a water truck out to the edge of the to the road, end of the road, and then spray water in that area, and then use the rakes yeah. to smooth out the land. And that's the only way you erase the track being there. That's a that's a lengthy process because then then again you guys are here and you guys don't get much water as mm -hmm. well already so mm -hmm. you know that sounds quite expensive so mm -hmm. you know and then there are impacts that happen from further away that we have no control over whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You think about air quality, for example. So that's an issue that comes from cities and will, will come into all national parks, including Death Valley. And then one that people often don't think about is balloons. Balloons? <laughs> balloons, okay. yeah. So if you're driving the road or hiking, you might find a shiny mylar balloon and happy birthday or it's a boy, whatever, something yeah. like that. And people go, well, why did someone release a balloon here? Well, they didn't. It probably got released in LA and oh, wow. it up into the air with the helium and then eventually comes down and settles in the, in the desert. So people often think of litter as being a problem that is just what you throw out of your car and look on the ground, but there's also wow. airborne litter. Yeah something people don't think about much yeah um i've i've never heard about like well it makes sense but like a lot of the things i've been reading and stuff like that has been getting into the oceans and that's another huge yes. problem yes that's a huge problem as well wow. not too related to death valley national park yeah, but, but that is a huge problem <laughs> is, and but it just goes to show how interconnected our planet is it is it is and and you know you guys are trying to do your best over here any any way that the viewers can help in any like look up what websites they can donate to or help in that in that manner any way they can help right so um, we definitely appreciate any help that you all want to give us uh, one thing we do is especially if you have a group of people uh, contact us a couple months in advance and we often are looking for volunteers to help with things so if you have a day of labor and eight people um, probably we could use your help cleaning up some tracks from where a vehicle drove off-road or pulling non-native plants out of the ground, that type of work. So uh, volunteering is definitely a way to help the parks. Just want to give Abby a big thank you for being on this episode. If you want to hear a certain park or outdoor adventure, please go to www.daystravel.com, go to the podcast page, scroll all the way down, and email me. And I also want to give a shout out to all my Patreon contributors because this episode wouldn't be possible without you guys. I'm Jason and I'll talk to you next time.